0: This is the message from Connection Community Church for Easter Sunday, April 16th, 2017. Restored.
1: So today is a day of joy and celebration, a day where we use that celebratory word, Alleluia, say it with me. Hallelujah. And we also say, He is risen. Say it with me. He, he is risen. risen. And we can do this because we know what happened. We know the full story. We know that today is the day that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. Amen. But, but those who were there on that first Easter 2,000 years ago, those who had witnessed the cross, and the grave, those who had seen Jesus take his last breath, they were still broken from three days before, not expecting what they found that Easter morning. It took them a little while to realize that he had indeed risen. It took a little while for them to be restored. That's what we're going to talk about this morning.
0: Hallelujah and good morning, Connection Church thank you so much for joining us on this Easter. We're so glad that you're here. My name is Carrie Jones.
1: I'm Alan Jones.
0: And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Mighty God, we thank you so much for the message that, that you've given us through your word and scripture, for the fact that you conquered the grave and you rose from the dead and that the tomb is empty. And help us today embrace all that. Help us today listen to your scripture and apply it to our lives, that we too would be changed and transformed by your love. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I pray this, and everybody said, Amen. 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 Reading from Luke, chapter 24. On the first day of the week... Very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb.
1: First day of the week, that was the day after the Sabbath day. It was the third day after Jesus was crucified, dead, buried. It was today. It was the day we celebrate as Easter Sunday,
0: and so there was a group of women who took spices to the tomb. It was the same women, they were there on Friday when the people nailed Jesus to the cross. It was the same women who watched him take his very last breath on the cross. It was the same women who saw Joseph of Arimathea, who was a believer, take Jesus down from the cross. And wrap him in linen cloth and place him in a tomb, a tomb with newly cut rock, a tomb where nobody else had previously been laid. It was those women who saw Joseph roll the stone against the entrance of the tomb.
1: And so these women went home on Friday and they prepared spices and perfume to anoint the dead body of Jesus. But but then they had to rest because Sabbath had begun. And so this morning, this Easter morning, they returned to the tomb bringing the spices and perfume, fully expecting to find a dead body, the dead body of Jesus, in that newly cut tomb. They expected to find that body and to anoint that body with those spices and perfume. We read in Mark's account that as they're going to the tomb, as they're talking amongst themselves, it seems like their biggest concern is who's going to roll this massive stone away from the entrance, as it was extremely heavy, more than they thought they could handle.
0: When I woke up this morning, it was still dark, and I could hear the birds outside, but I was thinking, what was it like for them that morning for the women, their hearts heavy, getting ready to go to the tomb where they would anoint the body of their Lord and Savior? Well, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly, two men in claws that His words.
1: You ever had one of those situations where what you were expecting, and what actually happened were like at odds, they just didn't line up, like, and your brain, you had to kind of like do a backfield in motion, realign it with what your expectation and what the reality were, taking in that new, new data that you're encountering? I can't imagine what they must have, what must have been going through their brains that morning when they're expecting this dead body expecting to take what they'd put together, the spices and perfume, expecting to anoint that body, wondering who's going to move the stone out of the way. And right there in front of their eyes, the stone's already moved. They look in, and what do they find? They find a tomb that is empty, empty, no body, no Jesus, empty.
0: They really didn't have to ponder the situation for very long because as they were standing there, they were trying to make sense of what they were looking at, and there were two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning, and they were standing before them. Now, think about lightning. When a lightning flashes, it kind of like takes us by surprise. It makes us blink. I wonder what it was like for them because these two men gleamed like lightning, That's pretty bright. Now, in a story earlier in Scripture that we read in Matthew and Mark and Luke, we read about when Jesus took um, his inner circle, his closest friends, Peter and James and John, up to the top of the mountain. And while they were there, Jesus' face became bright. It's called transfiguration, his face shining like the sun, his clothes white as light, almost like a radioactive kind of look. And it must have been incredible. We're also reminded of a story in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, where Moses, Moses was the one who God called to lead his people um, out of Egypt. Moses spent time apart on the mountain of God And when he came down from that mountain, scripture tells us that his face was radiant because he had spoken with God. So radiant, so lit up that the people were afraid to even come near Moses. And it reminds us of this intense light, light that's associated with God.
1: And so here again we have this this uh, spectacular light that we see associated with God throughout the Scriptures. And, and in this case, it's associated with two messengers of God. Luke refers to them as two men. If we, if we look in Matthew and John, they refer to these messengers as angels. I don't know, maybe they're angels in human form. It wouldn't be the first time we see that in Scripture. Either way, they are God's messengers, and they have a very important, a crucial message to deliver. Why do you look for the living among the dead? That'd be a good message for each of us to ponder, wouldn't it? Why do we sometimes look for the living, and we're looking in dead areas in our lives and the lives around us? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. He has Risen, The re- men reminded them that Jesus had told them what was going to happen. He told them before what was going to happen in advance, that he would be delivered to the hands of sinners, he, he would be crucified, and then he would be raised once again. Amen. The women then remembered, oh yeah, <laughs> they remembered the words that Jesus had previously shared with them.
0: When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb Bending over, he saw strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened.
1: I love how God orchestrated this, how this story plays out. Because 2,000 years ago in this area, it was absolutely a male-dominated culture. Absolutely male-dominated. And yet, it was the women followers of Jesus who first visit the tomb. They're the first to know about the resurrection, and they're the ones that then told the men folk what happened. In fact, it was the women that morning who gave the first Easter sermon about the risen Christ. It was a real... It was a real brief sermon. You guys probably would have liked it. You'd be in and out. It's like a three-word message. He is risen.
0: <laughs> and so the, woman took, the women took the news to the 11 disciples, 11, because that remorseful Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus, was so devastated he hung himself on the day of Jesus' execution so it was this group of women that shared the news with the 11, but the men did not believe them because their words sounded like nonsense. Kind of interesting. Words sounded like nonsense. I mean, I wonder why. Think about it. Jesus had told them on several occasions what would happen. Jesus spent his last uh, weeks trying to prepare his disciples for what would come. Jesus told them that he would die he would be raised he would raise again three days later perhaps they weren't paying attention well that's kind of hard for me to think about like not paying attention when jesus is talking but i think that we're guilty of that as well so we can set that reason aside perhaps they just didn't believe him because It was so much to wrap their brains around. How in the world could this be? What was he really saying to them? Hmm.
1: On the other hand, perhaps this whole idea of resurrection was just too much. That doesn't make sense either. Because they were with Jesus on several occasions when Jesus personally resurrected people himself, resurrected them from the dead. Just a few weeks ago, here on Sunday morning, we shared about the story about the woman, uh, the widow at Nain, where Jesus and his followers came across, came to the intersection where there was a funeral procession, and he touched the bier on which the uh, corpse was lying, and the young man came to life. <laughs> that would have been a wild day. Came to life, he, the only son. Of a widowed woman. And on another occasion, they witnessed him calling his good friend Lazarus out of the tomb after four days dead. The resurrection was not a novel idea to the followers of Jesus Christ.
0: And so, why were they surprised by the resurrection? Well, perhaps it was the fact that it was Jesus who had resurrected the people that we just spoke about. It was Jesus who did it. And, I mean, who was going to resurrect Jesus? Certainly none of them could do that. Or perhaps they were so broken, so devastated, because their leader, the one who they had followed for three years, their leader had been brutally beaten and hung on a cross, and that they thought that all of their hope, Was gone. Their life was very dark. Perhaps they were so broken that restoration just did not seem possible. Um,
1: Have you ever been that broken? So broken that you just couldn't see tomorrow looking any better than today and maybe even worse. So broken that you wondered if you'd find restoration. So broken that uh, Restoration, new life maybe seemed impossible. I, I remember one time I was broken because of a kind of a break in a relationship, and it wasn't a long, long-term thing. It wasn't long-term, but I remember one night in particular. I call it the long night of my soul. It's one of those nights where it just seemed like it was never going to end. You ever had one of those nights where you just couldn't sleep, and you kind of almost, the clock's almost going backwards. <laughs> and you just wonder if the sun is ever going to come up. But you know the sun did come up and, and brought some restoration. And with time, not instantaneous, but with time, restoration occurred. And I will give full credit to that to God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit brought restoration from that dark place
0: it is the son who brings restoration the s-o-n not the s-u-n and so we read in scripture that Peter Peter ran to the tomb and he looked in and he saw where the dead body had been laid and instead the linens were folded up but he was still not sure what was happening so he shared with the others he went back and he shared with the others and they were probably wondering the same thing as well but here's the incredible part jesus knew that they were skeptical because later that day jesus shows up and he he shows the disciples his hands and his feet he even ate a piece of fish in front of them with them he had a meal with them showing that His body was in the flesh. He wasn't some ghost. He ate, and it gave them hope. I mean, it took some time, but eventually the disciples did come to accept the reality of this resurrection, of the restoration. Once they were broken, and now they were put together, they were redeemed, they were saved through the crucifixion, the death, and the resurrection thanks to this resurrection and restoration of the good news of Jesus Christ, that we sit here today because the word was spread across the world of what Jesus had done, is doing, and will do from now to the end of time.
1: So the question is, what's this got to do with you and me here today today? over 2,000 years later. I mean, whether you're here every Sunday or maybe you're here for the very first time or you're somewhere in between those two extremes, why are we taking time? I mean, it's a great story. I love the resurrection story just like I love the birth of Jesus stories. Great stories, but there's got to be more than just storytelling. There's got to be more than that for us to take our time this morning. And why, what's the importance to us? And I would say it's this. Basically, we live in a broken world. And as we've been talking about for several weeks through this Lenten season leading up to today, we've been talking about brokenness. We've looked at stories in Scripture about brokenness, about far from Godness. And we're broken, we're far from God because of our choices, because we've chosen to focus on ourselves rather than on others. We choose to focus on ourselves rather than on God. And we live in a broken world then, a world broken by sin, a world broken by disease, a world broken by decay, and ultimately a world broken by death.
0: But it doesn't have to stay that way. It does not have to stay that way because today brings restoration through the resurrection. Just a couple days ago on Friday, we call it Good Friday, Jesus did something that we could not do. He paid for our sins by giving his very life. He is the sacrifice above all sacrifices, the once and for all sacrifice. His perfect life, praying for our imperfect lives, trading his life for ours, his blood that covered your sins, my sins, in the sacrificial way that he gave his life for us.
1: Hmm. And so, on Friday, Good Friday, we focused on the cross. Actually, here we did it on Thursday. We it's kind of a Thursday-Friday service. We focused on the cross and. That's because that's when Jesus hung on the cross. And in fact, Christianity, the cross is really important, wouldn't you say? It's like the symbol of Christianity. If you see a cross, what do you think? Christianity, it's like hand in glove. Cross and Christian go together. And that's not a bad thing. But, But it's important to remember to never, ever... Ever stop at the cross. Amen. Amen. We cannot stop at the cross because if we stop at the cross, it means death one. It means death one. If we stop at the cross, it means Jesus paid for our sins with his life, but then it's over and out. If we stop at the cross, it means that, which Jesus did, he literally went to hell with our sins. But if we stop at the cross, he went to hell and stayed there and never came back. If, if we stop at the cross, it means that, that that tomb isn't empty this morning. It means that body, that dead body is still in there. It means that Joanne and the two Marys and, and the other women, <coughs> they did in fact get to anoint the body with the perfume and the spices And then they would leave, and then that's that. End of story.
0: But that's not the end of the story. That is not the end of the story because death didn't win. Death was defeated. Life won. Life wins. That's the best part. Say life wins. Life wins. And life will continue to win. We get a fresh start a new beginning every single day when it comes to Jesus Christ in our lives. When we accept Christ, when we say, okay, God, I'm, I'm a sinner, I mess up, I try to be my own little God, I, am try, I try to be the boss of my life and it just doesn't work. Lord, come into my life, direct my steps, order my steps, I'm saved. Life wins, because we're never, ever, ever alone again. Not only here, but forever. Now, when we accept Christ, when we say, he rose again, the tomb is empty, it does not mean that life isn't hard. Life is hard. Life is difficult. It doesn't mean that we won't experience pain and suffering and heartbreak but it means that we are never left stranded. There is always hope. There is always light. Dark is never pitch black because when Jesus is in the room, death is defeated. Life wins, and that means restoration for you and for me. Restored from that broken state, restored to be the person who God intended us to be when God first thought of us. Restor, restored to a life of joy and peace, even in the midst of chaos. Restoration.
1: Mm. Restoration. That's what today is. This today is a day of restoration. And so the question is, are you restored? Are, are you restored? You know, each of us is broken because when we go back, back to Adam, back to Adam and Eve, That's when brokenness began. All it took was one bite. (laughs) Of course, we all sooner or later take the bite where we push God away and want to do things our way. Brokenness began, and in the empty tomb, restoration took place. Pushing God away, resurrecting God in the flesh brings restoration. And so the question is, are you restored? And, and how do you know if you're restored? Well, because it means that you have taken on, accepted a relationship with the one who brings restoration, Jesus Christ. You're restored when you've been able to say, look, I, I recognize I'm a sinner, and I'm in need of a Savior. I can't save myself. And that's true for each and every one of us. You might not want to admit it, but it's true. It's true you, me, us, each of us is a sinner in need of a Savior, and we can't save ourselves. And so restoration can only take place when we admit that and then look for the one that can bring restoration, and that's the Savior named Jesus Christ. He paid the price for our restoration with His life, but that wasn't the end because that empty tomb tells us that He lives. And throw, he, since he lives, he is able to bring new life to you and to me and restore us to that pre-broken state, pre-Adam and Eve, back to the garden when it was all it could be, when we were all we could be, restored. My question for you is, have you ever had that conversation, Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, I can't save myself. I understand you're the one who can save me. Here I am, Lord. I'm inviting you into my life. I would like to have a personal relationship with you. Please save me. That's what restoration is. And you don't have to wait. You know, sometimes we talk about um, eternity, about being with God through eternity. say, Oh, that'll happen when I die. No, no, no. It can start today. And then death is just transitioning to another aspect of it. It can start right now. Right now in your seat, you can be saying, Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I can't save myself. Please come into my… You can do that right this very second. While I'm talking, it won't be ignorant. I won't, I won't mind if while I'm talking, you, you have that conversation with God right now. Please. Or if you'd like to wait at the end of our talk, come up front. Had a young lady last service come up at the end of the service and said, I want to receive Christ. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. She has a new birthday. It's her spiritual birthday, rebirth. What an awesome thing. You can come up during the song, after the song. You guys ready to pray back there with some people this morning? Yeah. Go back and see Mike and Maria. They'd love to pray. they pray you right up. They'd love to talk you through it. Talk you right through that whole thing I just said to you. They'd love that. If, if, if not today, when? Why would you want to wait for restoration? that makes sense? If you already know what I'm talking about, praise the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah, he is risen. I'll tell you this, if you know what I'm talking about, then you know how glorious it is. And my question for you is, have you said a, a thank you? to your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ today, and do you say it every day? Thank you, Lord, for saving my life. Thank you, Lord, for being in my life. Thank you for dying for me and living into eternity with me. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
0: Amen. Broken? No. Restored? Yes. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who died and rose again, for every single one of you, and for us. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. That is why we live and breathe. He is why we live and breathe. Let's give God the glory today and forevermore. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let's pray. Almighty God, I have trouble finding the words of how... What you did for us, God, you knew that we just kind of flounder on our own. And we try and we do this and we do that, but things just seem out of sync. And then you come into the picture and it's like things get put in a rightness. They line up. And God, I know that life still isn't easy and there's challenges and there's heartbreak and there's despair, but it's never as bad because you bring us hope, you bring us future, you are the light of the world, you are the good shepherd, you are the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And when you sit on the cross, it is finished. What that really means is that, yeah, death was defeated and that there is new life for each one of us now and forevermore and so we say thank you and we pray this in the name of god the father jesus christ the risen son and by the power of the holy spirit and everybody in agreement said amen Amen.
1: thank you for joining us for our podcast